This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me after thawing out from the winter break, Mr. Chris Bird and Mr. Phil Shaw. Hello. Welcome back. How are you? All right. How was your winter break? Restful, calming, re- reasonably productive for once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you went on another meditation yeah, retreat, me, did me you? Did my, did my hot yoga. That's what Chris hot Bird yoga likes and meditation. to do. Busted <laughs> on this show. You, Mr. Phil, what do, uh, Mr. Phil, Mr. Shaw, what do you uh, get up to? Nothing. Not a lot, really. Just stared out the window, just waiting for Villa to come back. Waiting to record another podcast. <laughs> do you need to get a life, You're in Monaco, sure. man. You need to get a life. Buy a boat. Buy a boat. If you've watched the news, Monaco's not looking no. so, um, what's the word, pr- prosperous no, at the not. moment. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of father are you if you if, if you spend your days just staring out the window you should be uh bringing up your son to be a better version of you <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's already done, he's done goalkeeping training so he just stands there while i kick the ball at him so that's that's enough there you go put him to work i just got back uh, i went to uh the dam to visit uh, family uh, for a few days just uh on the low key and i've returned back to uh, the city that's uh only 68% of people have had their first vaccination. I wonder what city that could be. I think most most cities uh, in this country are around 80-90%, aren't they? Right, uh, coming up in the show, we are back. Uh, there has been no games. There's been uh, a couple of friendlies, winter break friendlies. Uh, we will not be pretending to do match reports like a certain local newspaper did by uh, just copying what uh, the club put on their website. But uh, we will uh, concentrate the main bit of the show looking at uh, the January business in and out and uh, how that makes us feel going forward to uh, what should be an interesting and exciting uh, second part of the season. Uh, We'll have all the regulars, the Villa News, uh, Media Muppets, the Three Points... Uh, before uh, addressing the burning question of the week. We'll actually do... Uh, There's a few burning questions, actually, so we'll do the rest of them in uh, My Old Man Said uh, Patreon uh, Extra Show. Right, so... Uh I've missed the last week's news uh, being away, and I've purposely uh, haven't uh, kept Probably it for the best. going on. 
yeah. in the UK. So what's what's the options on the news I mean, you've front? You've got just you know the government just just chewing themselves up and eating themselves alive. Or England are now crap at cricket and rugby, it would appear, after the start of the Six Nations weekend. Oh, yes. What a disaster uh, that was in uh, uh, Murrayfield. Fucking rubbish. And you've got all the Phil stuff going on over there. <laughs> Inflation. Let's have some uh, Villa news. I, I'm, I'm not interested in... <laughs> especially, I'm not interested in Northern Ireland. Good God. <laughs> nobody, nobody is. <laughs> I think uh, it's time to build a new United Kingdom. Which uh, annexed. With, with, uh, <laughs> with, you know, five new countries, I think, or four new countries, whatever it is. All right, so let's get into this filler news. It still makes me laugh, people hovering around Twitter or whatever on deadline day, refreshing it. Uh, you should have a good idea now that Villa know what they're doing in the transfer market so they do their ins when it comes to uh, their transfer business uh, before deadline day deadline day is for the desperados it? yeah if you want to sum it up in uh, with one club you know it's also if you haven't got your strategy down it's i mean it's kind of you, you might be able to if there's a player really trying to get out you might be able to uh, seize the day but uh, you had a good feeling that villa were done and dusted and it was really about you know who they could get out on loan and uh, in the final hours of the transfer window it was uh, Jed Steer going to Luton and uh, Matt Target going to Newcastle I mean we'll talk about all these uh, later on in the show uh, since the last show uh, we've also signed Callum Chambers from Arsenal some sources say two million some it's say a free it's deal free, Arsenal but... are saving to up to two million is the deal apparently from all the reliable sources right, so with okay. his wages and potential bonuses they save two million right and uh, robin olsen uh, also came in uh, as a uh, number two to martinez the swedish goalkeeper meanwhile in this winter break uh, as we said on the last podcast uh, steven gerrard described it as gold dust uh, in terms of uh, having finally having time uh, to have a kind of a mini pre-season to uh, get his ethos and plans into place uh, apart from the South American guys and the, the AFCON guys uh, he's had uh, most of his squad available and they've played a couple of friendlies we finally beat Brentford god damn it when no one was there to see it is that like <laughs> if a tree falls in the forest type scenario yeah, exactly. what did it happen and uh, we also beat that team that Norwegians, uh, they see it as some kind of un- yeah, antichrist. Uh, Molder, we beat them 3-1. This first game, was it Mings and yep. Watkins? Watkins scored in both. And then this time it was McGinn, Ramsey. Some belting and, goals uh, in the Molder game. Uh, Obviously, the club put some yeah. videos up, man. The Ramsey finishes brilliant, and the McGinn finishes a great goal as well. In fact, they're all good goals. Yeah. Meanwhile, Trezeguet and... Uh, True, right? Actually, uh, they're, they're getting yeah. a bit of fitness. Actually, uh, they've they've managed to go deep, deep, deep into uh, the African Nations Cup. Uh, Trezeguet is in the final, which will be played uh, after this podcast. Meanwhile, uh, <laughs> Mr. Shaw was telling us how Burkina Faso were three 0 up uh, with uh, a few minutes to go against Cameroon, and uh, I was just checking something, and it was three all, uh, like instantly. Yeah. Like, uh, after he said that, I think I, five seconds later, I just checked something on Twitter and saw that the score was three all, which kind of sums up uh, Bertrand and then Troy, they lost really. on penalties. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, did they? <laughs> All right, so they came <laughs> fourth. Did. Uh, 
Did Truro uh, miss? Highly likely. Sorry. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he's trusted to take one. Trezeguet's been in, what, three shootouts or something, and he hasn't been trusted to take one. Yeah, but they've won them all. Yet. Yes. <laughs> See, the Egyptian manager's no, no fool. He, he scored in the, um, was it the quarterfinal? He scored the winner. He just pops up with a big goal and says, you just do your job, Mr. Trezeguet. You just pop up and score a goal every now and then. That'll do. Meanwhile, uh, in South America, Martinez and uh, Buendia basically took care of business and Coutinho scored oh, a bit of a stunner against a uh, Paraguay. Uh, it's good to see one of his uh, tricks in his locker was always his uh, outside-the-box shooting yeah, for Liverpool. So goal. it was good to see him uh, getting warmed up for Leeds. Uh, numerous long strikes for the for the Villa. Meanwhile, back home, Buendia was voted Player of the Month and uh, Alicia Lerman was... Uh, voted uh, player of the month for the Villa women's team as well. Right then, I think it's time for Medium Muppets. Right, Mr. Shaw, what is in the Medium Muppet trough this week? Well, I could say, like, here we go, and <laughs> plenty of people would know who it was, because it's, it's everyone. But would they? Well, is he that famous now? He is, he's got that famous. I mean... It's easy, isn't it, to become famous in this world? You just need a catchphrase yeah. and a Twitch uh, channel, and away you go. Well, I mean, it's, he's everyone's favourite transfer aggregator, Fabrizio Romano, um, and he, this was him writing in The Guardian. Now, as what he does as a reporter of deals, I mean, other than, like, he could be a bot, um, apart from that, you know, he, he's fine. He just reports what's happened. My favourite one over the whole transfer window was what he, he tweeted after the Callum Chambers deal. Official, Aston Villa announced the signing of Callum Chambers from Arsenal. Club statement confirms. I mean, <laughs> what a scoop. I mean, I think he's been half an hour after the, everyone else knew about it. But what he, he, his real thing that I took offence to this week was the bit he wrote for The Guardian. Now, the headline was, the January window displayed which Premier League clubs have a plan. And he goes, this was a typical January window with slow weeks followed by a crazy final few days. Some clubs moved late and had moments of panic. Others had an obvious plan. So I'm looking at this going, right, he's the, he's the man behind the deals. He's the inside info. He's going to tell me you know, how panicky these clubs were. But no, instead of that, it's just a, like a, it's like a powder puff piece just to like sort of just to be nice to every club you can find to be nice to. I did expect Villa to feature with how well-planned Villa's deals were. So he just he just said Aston Villa did good business relatively early, bringing in Coutinho and Dean. But then he just panders to the big four as usual. He says Chelsea, Manchester United and Manchester City are also examples of clubs with a policy. Well, City just bought Julian Alvarez, the, you know, the best player in South America at the minute. Is that not what City have been doing the whole time since they've got oil money? Just find the best player and just there buy There you it? go. That's their, that's their policy. Mm-hmm. But I was more interested in United and um, Chelsea's policy, so I read on. It seems doing nothing is also a plan, according to Fabrizio. So rather than annoy United fans who were all annoyed, he said it was a clear strategy to not include obligations to buy for fringe players and loan and not taking a huge sum for Newcastle in the final day for Jesse Lingard, despite him being free to leave for nothing in the summer. So rather than cash in on Lingard, now you've got a player who you're not, you aren't even playing at the minute. It's just going to sit there and lose money. Well, I think the Lingard situation was uh, served up potentially by what happened to uh, Mr. Greenwood and mm. uh, United obviously need cover for that situation. And they've, you know, they got they offloaded a couple uh, of others uh, 
on loan, so uh, yeah, yeah, I can but, see why Lingard stays. I mean, I, I would probably, if I was a United boss, I'd probably keep him as well. I would probably play him the way they're playing at the minute. But um, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but um, he com- he finishes his complimentary tour of the Big Four with Liverpool. He said their hijacking of the Luis Diaz to Spurs deal was part of a long term plan, and not just a quick. Oh, he's he's good player. Get him quick because Spurs are going to get him. I mean. That's just a, a a deadline day move. That's just the definition of opportunism. It's not a long term plan. Yeah. Still, throughout this whole piece that he's written for the Guardian, I still haven't seen any panic at all. You know, there's no. Everybody else knows that Newcastle were trying to buy every footballer with two legs they could get, and still <laughs> nothing, at, nothing at all about the panic. It's just if they want to escape relegation, they better start buying players with four legs, <laughs> two, twelve arms. Uh, but, <laughs> I mean, like, I've no harm against the guy, but I mean, it's just a bit beige and it's it's, it's not necessary. I mean, his, his Twitter column's all right. I mean, the Guardian have him writing because obviously he's got a huge uh, social media reach and, uh, you know, it's his second language, uh, English, so I'm going to cut him some slack on that one. But it is, you know, it's everybody's uh, feathering each other's nests, I think. Uh, but I, I, I got into a DM conversation with him about something. I can't remember. I ruffled his feathers on something. Oh. Oh, what was it? I, uh, what did I say to him? Was it Mr. Each Way Bet you called yeah, him? Or something yeah, like that? yeah, I called him Mr. Each Way Bet and then he slid into my DMs there because uh, <laughs> obviously touched a nerve. All right, so let's get into the three points, shall we? First of all, uh, this is a strange strange one. I mean, point number one, you know about the whole uh, England debate about uh, should they play friendlies uh, around the UK in mm. different grounds? Well, in England, shall we say, which, uh, you know, I must admit I'm kind of behind, but obviously they've they've had to uh, pay off Wembley because, uh, I mean, there's a bit of a shit show, uh, the costing behind that, etc. But in the US, they decided to play a World Cup qualifier against Honduras in uh, they decided Minnesota was a good place to play it in winter and uh, when they rocked up it was minus 16 degrees the lowest temperature in uh, any US team uh, national team any game in their history it was so cold that fans beer was freezing in the stadium <laughs> <That's> brilliant <laughs> that shot. and uh, we're looking looking at a picture here of a gloved hand with a plastic pint glass of beer that's got ice cubes in it. I'm hoping they don't throw it. Imagine getting hit by that. <laughs> yeah, but don't give it to any uh, Everton fans. Oh, frozen, frozen Lucas, eh? Lovely. <laughs> you know, you could have played it in Florida, maybe. I mean, there's, Didn't you know, there's plenty of... Didn't play uh, USA once in Miami, I think? It was many, many years ago. I'm sure we did. Like some Minnesota, is it like a council... Uh, Twitter account or something, you know, they were putting out warnings like Arctic air with dangerously cold wind chills has settled across the region. Wind chills of minus 25 to 30 are likely uh, in the morning. You know, all these kind of weather warnings. And uh, then, so, you know, all these players, uh, Honduras players and the USA players, all in snoods and balaclavas. And <laughs> Believable, isn't it? Just... Uh, just not much thought. I mean, everybody knows uh, that in Minnesota, anybody who follows NFL will know when it gets to the winter, you, you, there's a good chance you're going to be watching uh, games uh, where the pitch is white and everybody's wearing about five coats each. I mean, I always remember I, there was, uh, I think, Josh Hartnett, the Hollywood actor, and is it Rachel Lee Cook, who you might 
yeah remember from some kind of teen films they're both from minnesota and i I remember you know interviews with them uh, talking about minnesota and and both of them referred to shoveling snow so obviously it's uh, well known in the states that uh, minnesota is pretty chilly at at this time of the year so let's put that one down as bad planning i mean anything funny happened in that game because of the weather or i wouldn't say funny but um two honduran players were treated for hypothermia which didn't please (laughs) (laughs) which didn't please their boss um their boss uh hernan dario gomez questioned why the usa had made the decision he goes have the boys in the dressing room with discomfort there are some iv drips football's not for suffering playing like this is no good yeah on paper the the you know the u.s team should beat them uh wherever they played so i don't know if it was like for tactical advantage Uh, anyway let's move on to uh champions league pizza point number two uefa this is this is so indicative of the premier Modern league society as any well. license licensing yeah licenses licensing in football or modern society uh, uh uefa reportedly w- were threatening to take legal action against a restaurant in germany over the name of one of their pizzas uh, the pizza restaurant uh labeled one of their dishes the champion league which I'm assuming is some kind of mushroom-based yeah. pizza. The uh, the owner of the uh, pizza shop tweeted, uh, just wanted to briefly mention that the UEFA have filed legal action against our pizza shop because a pizza is called Champion League. He ends his tweet, no shit, because you're just thinking... Uh, it's so obviously a gag, just enjoy it. Yeah, that he, he couldn't believe that UEFA would be so... Uh, pedantic to do this and it's not even champions league it's uh it's not as if they're taking the name this but this is like you know if you put up a t-shirt with aston villa on you're going to get a proverbial knock on the door it's just how uh, and you know it's like anybody who puts up clips of uh, the goals or whatever it's soon taken down because the licensing companies are so on this and they're you know they're nasty in terms of there's, there's not spirit of the sport uefa obviously employed some uh snazzy pr firm to uh address this once they saw the backlash that was coming their way they put out a statement clearly some people are making a meal of this boom, boom. <laughs> mm-hmm. this seems to be a case of overzealous local trademark agent acting too hastily Champions League can happily live alongside this delicious sounding pizza. Great PR for the restaurant, though, isn't it? Now it's perfect. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. I'm going to order one, but I mean, it's going to be cold when it comes in from Germany. I'm mean, known for their pizzas, to be honest. <laughs> That's a very good point, uh, Mr. Bud. Point number three from Shonky Pizzas, although we haven't tasted it, to uh, Shonky NFTs, if you don't know what NFTs are. Non-fungible tokens, which are JPEGs, basically, are they Digital not? collectibles. Mm. Although we could go, we could you a know... podcast on them alone. Uh, it's another podcast to explain what the blockchain is and smart contracts or whatever, but it's, it's you own the thing, the NFT, so it's like a way of owning art or pictures. There is uh, one of the more famous uh, and expensive... Uh, collections of nfts are the board ape yacht club and uh, there's so many uh, knockoff versions and variants of this uh, and one of the owners because uh, these board ape yacht club things it's, it's it's like you're buying into a membership of a, a club and a lot of celebrities are spending silly you know hundreds of thousands to have a jpeg of a monkey and uh, one of these owners has launched this uh, ape kids club which the artwork is actually pretty shonky if uh, you want to ask my personal opinion on them 
But anyway, it's it's just becomes things where they get influencers involved or celebrities involved, and then they hype out these things up. And uh, this is what John Terry's been uh, obviously paid to do, as well as uh, what's that boxing exercise thing where you strap it on your head and uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> punch the ball. I've seen the video. Yeah, he's been doing a lot of shonky uh, advertising work uh, when he should really be getting into football management. After all, that's Why what he, he did Villa. his uh, badges for. Yeah, allegedly. I'm sure he didn't leave Villa to get into uh, NFT promotion. Or maybe he did. Anyway, they've been uh, had their knuckles wrapped because they've been using uh, things like the Premier League trophy, which kind of links into the pizza situation. The copyrights, uh, obviously, the Premier League copyright team were knocking on the door saying that they've actually used the uh, the image illegally because uh, Terry and his cohorts are obviously making corn on these uh, JPEGs. They've used a few uh, players like, uh, I mean, Ezra, Villa's Ezri Konza is uh, one that's uh, has been personalised, uh, Jack Wilshire, Ashley Cole and uh, Willian as well. And both Premier League and Chelsea have uh, took legal advice over the copyrighted images in terms of, you know, the kit and the trophies. And uh, Terry and his cohorts have been forced to take them down. Terry, when I saw his tweet, his first mention of NFTs, it was like, uh, this is cringy. This is like, you've just been approached to uh, basically pump something and market it. It wasn't a genuine, genuinely into uh, NFTs and the crypto space. It was like somebody who was like, right, John, we'll give you this money. You know, can you uh, pump it up? All right, before we uh, launch full on into the show, I just want to give a shout out to uh, the supporters of this episode, Penfold. Now we're into 2022 and I think you should be getting your uh, finances up to scratch. So uh, in the UK, it's uh, if you haven't got a pension already, that's probably the, uh, the conservative rock you need in your investment portfolio, especially if you're a freelance. Uh, a lot of big percentage of freelancers haven't got any pension, uh, which is something I realized uh, last year when I finally uh, got a pension through Penfold. So uh, it takes literally five minutes. You can set it up on your phone. And uh, if you open your uh, Penfold pension using the code MOMS, if you go to uh, getpenfold.com stroke MOMS and use the code MOMS to open it, you get an extra £50 in your pension as soon as you uh, fund it, as well as getting uh, the 25% bonus on anything you put in, uh, the government bonus. Your uh, money is invested. You can choose the uh, the risk and tier, uh, but uh, you will get a uh, percentage back, obviously, from your investments, and that compounds and builds and builds and, and over time, uh, it's quite astonishing uh, how it builds. And, you know, the younger you are, the better, but it's never too late. Any investment, even a pension, your capital is at risk. But uh, do sign up at the link and get that extra £50 uh, when you set it up. And you can, if you've got any other existing pensions, you can uh, draft them into the, your pot as well. And they'll actually do that for and there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, let's get into the main section of this show, where we'll be focusing on uh, how we perceived the transfer window, I think. As uh, Fabrizio Romano said, uh, the January window was very much uh, an example of a club with a policy and... uh, if you cast your minds back uh, just prior, at the end of the December, Gerard said that if fans knew who they were going after and if they got them in, they would be excited. Uh, was you excited, Mr. Shaw? I don't think you can be any more excited than getting Felipe Coutinho in. I just think short of Messi, that's probably as high as you're going to get, realistically, as in a free agent and sort of like that stature for his, his, for his country. And... Oh, and we got uh, <laughs> we got we got Lugadine as well. Who's a, a, you can't you can't even look past court. I can't. Can I you? mean, this this is the thing. You can't. I mean, if you think back to the first season in the Premier League, whenever you're rolling in Borja Baston on the last day, and you just jump forward two seasons, and it's Felipe Coutinho and Lugadine, it's just. It's night and day. You can't you can't be annoyed at getting those two players in. I mean, there was talk that Villa weren't going to sign anybody in this window. Yeah, I think that's how they're playing. If they don't get the right... I mean, they've obviously uh, had eyes on him and uh, the Lucas Dean, obviously, uh, there was conversations building up to that. So I think the conv- what the situation is, if we do not get these players that we actually... These guys, particular guys, there isn't a, a BC. It's not as if we are... Uh, I think they'd be happy with to go on with Target, for example, instead of Lucas Dean. It's just that he was available and Coutinho's like a, kind of an anomaly. There's not like a version B and a version C. I think you're looking at different kind of players. Uh, so I think that's, uh, if there was no movement, then that's because they just didn't snag these uh, op- opportunist uh, purchases. Uh, Chris, when you, when you go back to, I mean, we're just talking generally at the moment before we kind of dig in deeper. Uh, when you go back to Smith leaving and there's that kind of uncertainty of, uh, is this a good move? Is this too early? Do we owe him to have a more of a crack of the whip of turning this around? To this present day, when you've seen uh, what Gerard's been doing, what Gerard's been saying and uh, what's happened in the transfer window so far, uh, I think it it's clarifies that Smith decision, doesn't it? Wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. You, you look at what? They've done at executive level and then at management level and even to a certain extent on the pitch, they've made some pretty ruthless decisions in terms of team selection and people who've been let go who thought, oh wow, you, just, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I don't think anybody at the turn of the year would have expected Matt Target to not be playing at the club. Bearing in mind he was your player's player of the season, yeah. but they've said, well, if we can upgrade, and let's be frank, Lucas, no, Luca Dina is an upgrade. You know, I think Perslow said in a Sky interview, didn't he? You know, we had a very short window; he became available, and we struck. 
very quickly, and I think that was a, that was probably one of the buys of the January window because I don't because I, don't, I, I think we said yeah. it. You know, if, if if Rafa leaves before him, Dinius is still at Everton now. Yeah, more than likely, mm-hmm. especially if he got wind yeah. that Lampard yeah, yeah. was coming, yeah. you'd be thinking, yeah, this sounds like yeah. a good fresh but, start um, to me. He seems to be glad to be here. I think he I think he could become a quite a big player for us, um, especially as you know we were getting a guy who was a match fit, b is used to the league, and will settle reasonably quickly. As, lo- as long as people pass to him, uh, I'll throw that in. <laughs> <laughs> They're starting to now, aren't they? Uh, I think the Callum Chambers deal on paper looks relatively low risk. I think Robin Olsen, I think he'd obviously highlighted the fact that Steer hasn't played a lot of football in the last few years. He probably needs to go out and play. And Olsen is probably a bit of an upgrade in terms of someone. I think it's about 40 caps-ish for Sweden. And then obviously the Coutinho deal is that little bit of glitter. Um, and as he seems to, in terms of, we said it in the previous pod before Everton, Everton's probably the first time this season where you look at that team on paper, you know, it's sort of an hour before kickoff and go, oh yeah, I'm having that. That looks about as strong as we're going to get right yeah. now. And you look at the team sheet now, you know, and the, even the guys coming back in terms of Bailey, Traore, Trezeguet, etc., maybe even the Camber. If everyone's fit, I think our starting lineup pretty much picks itself now, bar a little bit of variety. And and even the context of the last 10 years, that's like the best yeah, strongest team we've uh, put out. So. Um, and then I think even yeah. in terms of the, 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 the outgoing deals we've done, I think we've managed to get someone like a Kane Kessler He's, he's managed to go up a league. You know, they brought him in, got him on the bench for a couple of games, had a bit of a look at him and thought, actually, you shouldn't be playing League Two. Let's get you out to League One. I think the fact that Louis Barry's gone to Swindon, hopefully he'll do okay. And the big one for me is they've, they've managed to get Cameron Archer a really good move to a reasonably good side. And he's and he's come off the bat really quickly, hasn't he, at Preston? He's done really well in a good league. Same as Keenan Davis at Forest, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, Archer's scored, uh, well, Davis has as well. They've scored a couple of goals each. And But Archer, I mean, you know, I, I, I think I said on the previous show recently that he's the one I'm most excited about because he, he just looks a natural finisher. Yeah. At, at, at every level he plays, if you put him in front of goal, he scores goals. Yeah. And it and it's like instinctive, which uh, then you've, the only argument is is he uh, you know is he tough enough? Is he like physically uh, up for it? And I, I think he, he he is. And then it's what is his all round game? And but he's so good at finishing that uh, you can always make a claim for him to be in your squad. Yeah, yeah, and match day squad is always worth having on the bench because you just need one chance, really. If you bring him on as a sub, it'd be good to have him in the match day squad uh, after he's got some games under his belt and know that he's always an option, that you can actually bring somebody... Because, you know, how long have we been? Uh, it's been a few seasons where we've had a bench where we haven't had any uh, game mm-hmm. changes. I mean, you know, Phil nicknamed... Keenan Davis, Kindle Davis, because you might as well read a Kindle when he comes on, because you know he's not really going to be, you know, pushing for the. It's not coming off the bench to get you that last-minute winner mm-hmm. or equaliser. The interesting one for me was the Matt Target one. The headline was uh, in terms of Matt Target going from uh, a Villa supporter point of view was why why they couldn't make sense of it i thought villa wanted to go somewhere and keep a strong squad and i think the situation is from uh, matt target's point of view and also villa's point of view villa haven't got a bottomless pit of money they've, they've got to make this work as a business as financial fair play so obviously the wage bills taken a jump uh, this transfer window with Coutinho and uh, Lucas Dean. In the summer, we brought in three big ones, and I don't think Grealish's wages uh, cover no, those three no players, chance. do they? No. Because they're all top-tier wages. And then uh, so he suddenly increased again uh, in the January window. So that's why it's attractive from the club's point of view to get target out there. Also, we're not exactly playing for anything definite, finite. It's uh, how high we can finish in the league. We're not 
realistically chasing for Europe at this stage. We're not in any of the cups. So if you are going for the league or you're in a you know, you're chasing silverware, then yeah, maybe you want to keep target just in case. But when you look in the squad and you've got Ashley Young, who was actually bought in uh, to give target competition and, and, you know, obviously coverage as well. You've got Courtney Hills who can play there, even even Mings. Uh, if you're getting down to the bare bones, you, you're not really going to be in an injury crisis that we can't field somebody who can play and has played at left back. So from that point of view, from Villa's point of view, it's like, well, yeah, if you can get his wages back and he can get a fee, it may kind of makes sense because he's not going to be playing, is he? No. He's, he's not... You do not pay twenty five million for a left back for competition. Yeah, you don't go and buy a French a French international and, and a team who generally you would you'd say are on a similar level to you and their captain for them to not play if he's here and he's fit he plays and he's an upgrade. Yeah, one hundred percent. So from a player's point of view, Matt Target would have seen that come in. It's this this isn't like getting in Ashley Young and going oh a bit a bit of competition for your target should raise your game and uh, keep you keen keep you. This know, is a ruthless decision, isn't it? This is like sorry, Matt. Target sees that and he goes, "I'm fucked here. I, I need to get out." <laughs> if you know if. If I can get a move to a Premier League team, then I'll take it because I don't, you know, he doesn't want to, he can't downgrade his status. He can't, he's not going to go out on loan to a championship team at this stage, not when he's been like player of the year last season. I think a lot of that, yeah, I think a lot of the online reaction to it and tears over it was because of where he was going. He was going to Newcastle and it's like, don't send them to Newcastle, don't help them stay up because then they'll be part of your competition in seasons to come. Yeah, well, that is that is my uh, gripe. Well, it's the downside to this is long term, it could come back and punch you in the face. I think any team outside the top four at this moment and probably even supporters of those top four teams want to see Newcastle get relegated this season. I mean, uh, let's be honest about this because uh, of what's going to happen in the summer transfer window onwards, basically. They will uh, be able to outbid most teams, and they they can you know start building uh, properly. Henceforth, at the moment uh, in this window, there is that kind of doubt: Am I signing? You know, any player's got it in their mind: Am I signing for a team that's going to be in the championship next season? Now, uh, I think there'll be enough wagging the, the Newcastle tail now after the signings they've made to potentially uh, finish above the likes of Watford, Burnley. I mean, if you watched that Watford Burnley game, Burnley. they are hope. Plus. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and it's quite an astute buy to take uh, Burnley's uh, one of their main yeah, main men off agreed. them as well. So uh, if I was a Newcastle fan at this point, I would feel you know reasonably bullish that we could get out of this after what they did in the in the transfer window. So from that point of view, yeah, Target is like, let him rot on the bench if it means Newcastle get relegated. I mean, that is a fair trade because it will keep Newcastle out of the picture. Give us, uh, I think, the next season. If we had, in terms of if you're just facing it up, Newcastle and Villa, in terms of progress, if they had a season in the Championship, what we're going to do in the next season will give us enough of a head start to get mm-hmm. going. I think as a proper force, and I'm, I'm not talking just like you know milling around. I mean, my, my sort of thought on the target thing was, I understand why he'd want to leave. I would have personally kept him and just said to him, compete till the summer. If it's not happening for you, we will happily accept a bid for you and you can go. But for now, just stay and compete. Yeah, but as we just said, he's not bu- he's not buying that compete. He's, nobody pays 25 million and goes, right then, lads, good luck. May the best man win. You're buying him to start. And Gerard knows, you know, if that if the fact that they've, yeah. There's the no fa- fucking the chance for Target to play. The fact that they've play. done that deal for Dina, Gerard knows that he's a huge upgrade. The upside on Dina, especially crossing the halfway line, I think defensively there's probably not too much between them other than international experience. But Dina, when you see him cross the halfway line, you're just seeing 
such a superior player. Dean is Gerard's man. Target is Smith's man, and that's another another factor why he's not going to play. And it's, it's not a competition thing. And you know, Villa paid decent money for Target and bought Target to be their fullback for the foreseeable future. So you know, Gerard's uh, going right. Yeah, that's not going to happen. And this is a different direction. So off ski he goes now. Is Target going to transform Newcastle and keep them up? Well, he's not been great. He's not been great with the fans back in the ground, and St James's is notoriously a very difficult ground mm-hmm. to play at when things start going against you. So, and they love a scapegoat more than the Villa. You know, I'm not going to pin this on him, but uh, I'll suggest that emotion. And we've mentioned it before: players, player of the year when there's no fans. When there's fans, different story. So uh, that's, a, that's a good point, Chris. Uh, the Newcastle fans, there's going to be expectations and they're going to get jittery and they're going to have squeaky bums potentially uh, as the season tightens up. So yeah, we, we will sh- I don't think it's, when you boil it down, I don't think it's a case of we're giving them a player that's going to keep them up. Uh, I think he could be agent target at uh, the be. end of the day. He may well be. And I think it's probably good for Jed Steer to go out to Luton and play. You know, he's he's been around Villa a long time. You know, he's the last remnants of the Paul Lambert era, for God's sake. Yeah, to me, he's yeah. a number three. I, I never, if Martinez is injured, it's such a oh, drop. Yeah, you've gone from a pre, like a, a truly world class top five goalies in the world territory to a championship goalkeeper. So you got to take sentiment out there. I, I don't have that confidence when Steer's in goal. I think I, I have nothing against Steer and Steer, no problem in the championship. I think he's a very good championship keeper, actually. But he's not a Premier League uh, number no. one for me, any, any stretch of the imagination. So that's not a uh, really much of a conversation there. I mean, the Callum Chambers one is, is interesting, but uh, they had to get somebody in straight off the bat because obviously uh, Axel uh, Tuinzebi went to Naples. But... It, I think there's a line drawn uh, under Axel now where you're thinking, well, he's actually perhaps not as good as Manchester United thought he might be. And he, um, we've had a good look at him, obviously, repeated loan spells. And I don't think he's as no. good as uh, we thought he might kick on. So I think it's time no, to draw the line. His career stalled, didn't it, with injuries and not playing. Yeah. He's, he's just he's too far behind in his development and for where we want to be. Our ambitions have outgrown him and I think Chambers is a really savvy bit of business very low risk free transfer he's got Premier League experience played in Europe etc he's got more Premier League experience than any of our other defenders including similar to Ashley Young you've got another sort of defensive slash midfield relative utility player which I think is probably good to have yeah and he's He's probably happy to be there. I mean, he, if he's not getting a look in at Arsenal, he's more of a chance of getting a look in at Villa, even if it is from the bench. Why? Why would you say something like that? What, that he's, he's happier? Are you saying that we are inferior to Arsenal? Is that what you're trying to say, Mr. Shaw? I'm trying to say the ex- Villa are more likely to see the internal worth of a player in different positions than Arsenal would be. <laughs> he's digging he's himself well out this hole. <laughs> well I agree. I do agree, though. I think I think I think Villa see multiple roles for him. Um, I'd imagine he's probably still on reasonably good money as well. Um, and it's, uh, Arsenal, what a weird club they have, they are. I mean, they are you know, compared to some of the teams who panic bought. Arsenal were the opposite, weren't they? They were panic selling. They couldn't get everybody out the door fast enough, could they? It's bizarre. I always thought Callum Chambers. I mean, he slipped off the radar in terms of my football awareness because I always remember him as a as a right back. So he obviously played a chunk of games there, he playing sort of central midfield, didn't he? In Fulham and yeah, it's one of those ways vers- uh, versatility might dog him in terms of winning uh, like a, f- yeah. a starting berth but he's good for cover and you know as, as a sub he uh, he gives you uh, options yep. as well I can't see him getting past cash 
Konza and uh, Mings in the central role, and, and Cash has just got a bit more, I think, going bombing forward in terms of how Gerard wants to play for him to really trouble It's good Cash. that Cash has a little bit of competition, though, because Chambers is kind of steady. Yeah. I think they'll, they'll be looking at Cash, and we've said it, and it's Cash just needs to be, I think he said it himself in an interview relatively recently, that you know he needs to work on his final ball. If he can get his play in the final third sorted, you're looking at a very good player, and that's where I'm sure a lot of this the Atletico Madrid rumours come from in the last couple of weeks, because obviously they got rid of... That yeah. made me laugh. I mean, I kind of get it, but... I mean, in terms of a rumour, because we've, we've started having doubts the last few months because his delivery has been so bad. And and what we were excited mm-hmm. about Cash was uh, what he could add to the party going forward. And then you think, well, Lucas Dean's come in. If Cash can actually get to the level that we were hoping he would go, then then we've got a, a pretty yeah, dynamic... I think if, if he gets uh, his final four. ball, um, he's going to be a cracking player for us because I really like him defensively. Yeah, but he just regressed, and then to have these Atletico Madrid rumours, you're thinking, how real are they? And are they lazy just because he? It's like, well, you know, we've got to replace Troupier with a Premier League uh, right back. But uh, yeah, I would say you'd, you'd need to improve his game, or else uh, Villa will be like, yeah, how much do you want him? Especially as uh, Atletico, essentially a Champions League team these days. Yeah. It's not to say he can't play at that level in the future. I actually think he probably can, but it's not just yet. He needs to refine his game a little bit, but I think Villa's a really good place for him to do that. Um, but sort of broadly, I, th- I think we've done really good business. Yeah, I think in January, and when you sort of look longer term, I think you look at it over the season. I look at what we're going to probably do in the summer now, and I think if you if, if everything goes to plan with Coutinho, you probably make that permanent. From what his agent came out and said this week, he's actually really happy here already. He feels liked again. He's enjoying his football, which is yeah. that's kind of what Gerard has said from the off. You know, get him happy as player. I mean, if you just, I mean, let's go through that. I mean, if you go, if you talk about the defence, I think uh, we've added a bit more dynamism and going experience. forward, which helps the whole team. And then in terms of depth, you've uh, have we improved I think that? So. I think we just improved it. I think. Callum Chambers, uh, I mean, XL uh, was pretty much played this, you know, he could play uh, defensive midfielder as well as right back as well. So uh, I think it's almost like light mm-hmm. for light. But actually, this is the thing Axel, Axel didn't belong to Villa. He wasn't, he was, oh, yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, Chambers, because it's permanent, it's like, right, make him better, make him invest the time in him because it's, it's going to be money you get back. So we've actually now got a defense for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future, I think. Because cash, you're not going to rush out any any moment soon to improve. You're not going to do that with a left back, and then uh, Mings and uh, Konza are a proven partnership. And you know, as long as Mings can cut out the uh, the odd laps, then uh, you've got a decent back four and a, and a very good keeper. Well, we aren't going to get a better goalkeeper than Martinez. No, and Olsen, uh, hopefully... Uh, An able backup. You know, if he's if he's coming in one or two games or if uh, Argentina are uh, breaking the rules again <laughs> in their international duty, <laughs> then, uh, you know, at least he can come in one or two games. But I think we're, we're, we're a stronger outfit defensively and then you go further forward and uh, as well as that dynamicness on the left now with uh, Lucas Dean, Coutinho just adds... Uh, dimension yeah. i think and and he just i think he improved i mean whatever he can do himself but he's also straight away you've looked you've seen a better buendia you've seen a yeah. better ramsey yeah. i think it what it does as well is it all season through the summer we we didn't know what system smith was going to play that was probably his downfall in the end he didn't know what his combinations were gerard's come in and simplified things and all of a sudden the everton game you thought that looks like the system we're going to play four at the black two sitters three behind a lone striker and you think that looks pretty good to me, especially if the fullbacks 
really, I mean, I'm really intrigued to see how we go against Leeds in terms of formation, shape, and approach because I think he knows how he wants to play with the tools he's got now. And, he, and he's, he's obviously evaluated. You, you can see, we, well, we saw very quickly, didn't we, who he liked and who he didn't. The fact that El Ghazi didn't get a kick and now he's at Everton, probably going to sit on the bench there. Yeah. That kind of speaks for itself. I'm really interested with the other, those three wide guys, if and when they feature, you know, Traore, Trezeguet, Bailey. I think they're going to be fighting for maybe one spot and they're going to be lucky at that because I look yeah. at those three behind a Watkins or an Ings and I'm thinking that that's like a holy trinity. Ramsey at the moment is probably one of the first names on the team sheet. He's in such good form. Buendia is probably our best player at the moment and obviously Coutinho if he's fit and healthy and playing well they pretty much pick themselves the only yeah. the only thing I'm sort of looking further ahead sorry Phil was what it maybe means now is that in theory you're, you're going to look to retain what you've got now which I, I'm pretty confident we will in the summer you're probably only looking at bringing in one big player and then it's a relatively low-key summer because you've done your heavy lifting now yeah and you know as I was saying in the last uh, show if we get a couple of you know other let's say upgrades or uh even if it's just upgrading the matchday squad, we have a bit of luck and people stay fit, then this is a dangerous team. Yeah, I agree. Because I think I think we've got firepower all over the field and the squad. Someone like a Bailey doesn't need to necessarily be a starter, but we've seen in, what was it, 20 minutes yeah. against Everton, what he's all about, if you can get him pointing in the right direction. Because look how much upside there is, potentially. Coutinho, he's done fuck all so far. He's played a couple of minutes for Villa, scored a goal, that's it. If he's banging in 20 goals and playing really good regularly, look at that upside yeah. of what that's going to mean to Villa. Bailey's, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's literally <laughs> waved uh, at the whole 10 once and that's about and it. Right, we sort of saw behind closed doors what he's about and we know what Trezeguet can do and can't do. Oh, why do you keep mentioning those idiots? Because they're all <laughs> options, aren't they? <laughs> right, I'm talking about legit like we haven't seen what Bailey can do. There's so yep. much upside there. There's so much upside on what Coutinho can do. Even McGinn, there's and more Ings. to come, you know, from him. Louise with service. Yes, like in, Ings hasn't done anything yet. There's so much upside from him. Buendia, as you now said. we're seeing Watkins. the upside, aren't we? We've seen Buendia since Christmas. And you're like, wow. He's only just started. And Watkins still, as we said, his goal from last season was should be to beat the tally last season because he, he he should have he could have he hit the post he had so many VAR decisions yeah. against him what we've experienced at the moment there's so much more potentially and that's what's that's why I'm saying like next season this next half of season is really uh it's kind of fine-tuning yeah. and hopefully you can keep the, the parts that you want and get a couple more in I don't think there's going to be wholesale changes I think he's looking at right let's get Let's use this season to get ready for next season because nobody's going to expect us. I'm putting it out there, but I think we can really mm -hmm. challenge. And I'm talking at the top. Well, I mean, this is the Louise is the elephant in the room, so to speak, because yeah. we, we all said before the transfer window, what one position do you want to improve in the team? If you could pick one position before Coutinho, before Dean, before anybody was even talked about, it was right, a midfielder that can break up play, especially because Nakamba's injured and wasn't even, nobody even went for one. I mean, you're not going to tell me that the way they got Dean over the line and the way they got the Coutinho deal done, things like that there, if there wasn't a player available at any team that he thought he needed, he wouldn't have went and got him. I mean, it wasn't going to improve on what he had. There was yeah. all this talk about, talk about Basuma I, I and things. I think but that Juventus, I mean, we're not going to mention his name, the Juventus guy who went chose uh, the London life, uh, the price they got him at, etc. If If we thought he was that good, if we thought he was significantly better than Louise and what we had Sanson the camera we we would be looking for a player 25 and over I think 25 30 
to really upgrade. He, to me, it sounds like he's just going to be another one. He would have been on the par with a lot of players that we already have in the Spurs. If rumors, yeah, if rumors are to be believed, um, what Villa turned down what three bids for Louise in the transfer window of thirty million plus. I mean, if you're going to improve and yeah. what people are going to bid for, you're going to have to spend more than thirty million. Yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, you know, you would call it savvy. If I mean, if we got this guy in for fifteen and sold Louise for thirty, and this guy turned out to be. Uh, exactly what we were after then you know high fives all around i don't particularly uh, subscribe to the model that whatever you, you know people pay for you in the transfer window is how good you are and how you can be compared to you know each other it, it doesn't i mean that's the kind of football manager mm-hmm. the computer game yep. talk isn't it? i think louise has still got upside i know he's a little bit inconsistent but i, th- I think he the way we want to play in terms of a ball retention system i think he's pretty good at that yeah and also you know we we've seen what what he's capable of uh in terms of shooting and that is something uh, we've only seen at the start so there's that he just needs to contribute four or five goals a season a lot of it's going to be the system I think as well I think we, we look like we might have a system that can work and players now are being brought in and are expected to fit that system as opposed to you know we didn't quite know where some of the Smith signings fitted in and he clearly didn't at the start of the season I think now we know you know by sort of February okay these this is our best team this is our best system let's go for it I said it before didn't I I said it on talk sport about there's real similarities with that first O'Neill season where we kind of stumbled through a lot of the early parts of that season and then built a team did a really good bit of January business with the likes of you know Maloney, Carew etc Young by the end of that season we were going through teams we finished the season really strongly the start of the next season we came off the bat and we were flying and we had a very very good side under O'Neill that that season and the second season I thought I, I, and you said it David I, and I agree there's no reason why we can't be very upwardly mobile because I look at the teams that we want to sort of rein in a little bit like Arsenal Tottenham they're not getting a lot better in a hurry why not and you know Le- Leicester and, and Villa have done this previously before you know you get promoted you have that one season where you're kind of languishing around but it's you around the bottom but you're actually fine-tuning mm-hmm. things and working out what you exactly need because you you still have that kind of spirit I mean we've kind of done it a bit different because we I mean we've still got players uh, from that uh, promotion time you know don't get me wrong like you know Mings and McGinn but uh in terms of what Esther did you know they had a bit more of a team but uh but they still had that spirit that got them up the leagues and then suddenly one season in the Premier League acclimatization yeah. next season and I think I mean, you said it Leicester was a perfect storm I don't think Villa are, are sort of hoping for a perfect storm we want to build a sustainable quality squad rather than just a one season wonder I mean Leicester have that they do uh, I mean they've their last two, two seasons since they won the league they've done pretty well what they haven't uh, done is just they haven't had that steel to get it over the line they've, you know they should have been in the Champions League league a couple of seasons more than they have but uh, but they still won't you know they've managed to win the FA Cup but uh, I mean we're jumping ahead here but you can see it taking place there's a logic to this and obviously we know about uh, where the owners want to be and they had to pull the trigger on Smith it wasn't necessarily sacked because of the form at the time it was the I think they they pulled out as the bigger picture it's like we've got to get going and it's funny I was watching the training video of this week and it looks like the players are like they've, they've, they're now at work yeah and they're kind of enjoying work as opposed to uh, living a good life and you know and everybody's laughing with Smith it's all it's all kind of nice but there's something a bit more edgy, a bit more serious about this. And it's like they are at work. I think you're always going to respond when you've got a manager who, when he when he asks you to do something, he can literally show you because you know he did it as a player. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's like, I want you to pop the ball 40 yards like this. What do you mean? I'll show you. Pop. You've seen him when he joins in in training. He's still got it. You can't not respect that. If you're a 20-year-old player looking up to him going, fucking hell, that's Steven Gerrard and he can still do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've mentioned it before. Uh, you know, I know that, uh, so we, when we got Smith in the club's social media department, we're putting out clips of Brentford. Their playing style and stuff. It was embarrassing, wasn't it? Brentford goals and stuff, and some of the Villa players were were texting uh, communication. Seems at Villa going, what well, you know, what's what's what the hell's going on here? What's it just this? Looks pony, doesn't it? It just looks pony, and it's not. And you know, Smith had to uh, win over the players. It's not as if he, he doesn't just walk really through is. the door he has no and they all instantly respect yeah. him. He had to earn it. But this is like fast track, and it's a different you know, it's a different level, a different Agreed. kettle of fish. So uh, we shall see. But it's it's definitely uh, if you're looking just within that say one year time frame, it could be in- very interesting a, a year from this point to what is happening at Villa. I like the fact how I like how Gerard's framed the last two weeks. You know, it's like no, this is an opportunity. This isn't oh, we needed the break. We were glad of the break. This is this is two really important weeks. The fact that they've been quite open about playing two behind closed doors games, yeah, it just puts out the right statement that no, this is this isn't a jolly up. This is this is a really high intensity period. We're going to push the players hard. You would expect them, you know, come that Leeds game and the and the run of games afterwards to be to be right at it. Yeah, right. Uh, we will. Uh... See what happens against Leeds and then adjourn. Uh, just a novel burning question. We're going to, uh, there's a few burning questions which we'll answer in an extra show for the My Man Said patrons. Speaking of which, a big shout out to uh, the My Man Said patrons and thank you for uh, joining us for 2022 and also the newest members, uh, Rob Atride, for uh, being an annual subscriber. If you sign up for, uh, for the year, you get uh, two free months. That's 15% off. And also a uh, big shout out to Jacob Russell as well for joining us as a patron. Uh, you get access to uh, Match Club, which is our uh, 24-7 hangout. Uh, we also meet up for away games uh, virtually. And uh, you get access to the uh, extra podcast channel as well for exclusive uh, shows uh, there's a few more coming uh, in the next few days including uh, the after hours uh, burning questions which we will uh, answer once we finish recording uh, this main show right uh, burning question bit of a novel one uh, the one we're picking out uh, and the question was from dale in match club what name would you give to the las vegas villains stadium and which ex-villain would you get to manage Ooh. them? It's obviously a hypothetical question. He spelt villains the correct Good. way, but uh, Wes Edens and Nas uh, Suarez has registered villains with an I. I don't know, this is still an intrigue. Uh, did they make a mistake? What's the story there? Because they've copyright. They have the trademark to the ANS. Maybe they're Americanizing it. Yeah, is it just a, a case of... But we have... We've villarized it, if you know what I mean, because you know the correct spelling is with an I for dictionary purposes but we villainized it so they should have gone with the villa one really because they have trademark they have that trademark that's why the you know the knockoff stores around the ground have to uh, have scars with i uh, in the villains what would i call the stadium i'd call it the villa drum because i'm in a bit of a mad max kick at the minute so it's like the thunder drum only it's the villa drum sell the naming rights and play the ffp game well, when we win the league next, when we win the Premier League next season, just call it the the Gerard Stadium. Or just the Gerard. The Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> That's how far I would go to bestow an accolade. I would name that stadium. Yeah. Americans love calling things like field, don't they? Like Ebbets Field and 
Wrigley Field. Gerard I'd Field. Call it like, I just call it Villa Field. Because obviously Mr. Gerard's a Liverpool scouse man. I wouldn't name Villa Park after him Ooh, in no, any no, shape no, no. or form. But uh, the Vegas situation, uh, he can throw his name on that. An ex-villain uh, that would uh, I reckon manage we them? give Dwight York his first job. <laughs> <laughs> He's been he'd, so he'd, desperate. He'd be Every a right time liability in Las Vegas, wouldn't he, with his history? He'd <laughs> last a week. Where's Dwight gone? No one knows. Every time the villa job is up in the air, uh, old Dwight York comes out the woodwork and uh, suggests that he should be the man. But but uh, then the race card gets played. But then you, you've got to ask yourself, Dwight, what experience have you I got? I haven't even been what, what, like, managing you, under 10s football or working your way up through the youth teams like Have you Gerard done your badges? Did, or- you, you can't go from, uh, I don't even know what level of punditry he does. Uh, Not much. Very casual. It's very ad hoc. You can't go from ad hoc punditry to the villa hot seat. You've got to uh, actually earn the uh, the case. And also, uh, don't walk out on us and go to Manchester. And then the Blues. Like that. Also, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't go, yeah, and the Blues. Doesn't go down yeah. too well. But yeah, well, we, so what are we going for? The Gerard Field and uh, Dwight York is the manager. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking if, was, if there was a sensible I suggestion, think. but it's one of those where you don't John really John Terry, care, give John right? Terry his first job. No, he's too busy with his yeah, NFTs. Vegas is great for something like that. There's loads of scams going on there. NFTs aren't necessarily a scam, just... Uh... Allegedly. <coughs> <laughs> Could maybe send Mark Delaney over there. Or George Boateng. Give them like a bit of a taster. Well, Phil Neville can get a job man- managing Inter Miami. Anybody can get a job over there. Yeah. Don't send Merson. Same, same reasons. Gambling <laughs> issues. Don't. Phil. <laughs> Close to the bone. Um, who's who's ex Villa? Who's trying to get into management? Let's think. I'd, I'd just go with John Crew. It'd be great fun. <laughs> or John Gregory. John Gregory would <laughs> be good fun. No, but I'm thinking John Crew for other ah, reasons. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, let's. Uh, Showgirls too. <laughs> Mm. Right. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the My Old Man Said uh, podcast. Thank you for joining us, gentlemen. If you are listening on uh, Apple or Spotify, uh, you, you can uh, obviously give us a rating on there if you enjoy the show. If you don't, just don't listen. <laughs> but there's a there's a star thing on Spotify you can uh, hit. So uh, high fivers on there. Also, uh, don't forget to follow and subscribe, etc., on whatever podcast app you listen to so you get notifications for when the shows drop. And uh, do become a patron uh, if you are able to. Uh, that would be uh, the best thing to do for 2022 as we uh, look at revamping My Old Man Said in its 10th uh, year. Changes are coming. Watch this space. Right, until the showdown against Leeds and the aftermath of that, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.